I still find it strange that we're drawn to fear the way we are. We seek it out. I wrote a book a while back called Noisy River. It takes place in the town of Noisy River, which is very much a fictionalized version of the town where I grew up. Ruidoso, New Mexico. Outside of town, there's a forest road that never seems to end. Despite the conditions of it getting worse and worse the further down you drive, the drive itself is scary. The road gets narrower as you go, more overgrown. The forest crowds in around you. It becomes increasingly impossible to turn around. It used to be that if you drive far enough down this road, you'd come upon a house. It was off to the side. You couldn't see it right away. You had to look for it. It was a bad place with a bad history. But as teenagers, we used to seek it out. We'd go out there because it was scary. If you grew up in the town I grew up in, you know the house I'm talking about. If you've read Noisy River, you've probably read the story I'm about to tell. We drove out there, going down that road, late at night. The car I used to drive had terrible headlights. It was hard to see. And one thing that we were already afraid of was, have we already passed this place? We've been driving forever. But then we saw it, off to the side as I said. We pulled up, and we stopped there, facing that house, which was maybe 50 feet away. We left our headlights on, and we couldn't bring ourselves to get out of the car. I'm not sure what would have happened if we had, because we saw someone looking out at us. Now, if you're looking at this house, you can see that it's a two-story house, and across the top floor, there are three windows, evenly spaced apart. In the glow of the headlights, we could vaguely see somebody, a shape, looking out at us from the center window. We weren't sure we were really seeing somebody. It was dark after all, but then they moved and appeared at the window on the right. It stayed there a while, moved back to the center window, then walked over to the window on the left. This went on for some time. I'm not sure why we stayed as long as we did. And here's where I ask again, why are we drawn to fear? Because we were scared, but we stayed a while. Eventually, we did leave. But do you know what? We were back the next day, in the daylight. And in the daylight, it was a lot easier to be brave enough to go in. If you want to imagine what this house looks like, it looks almost identical to the house at the end of the Blair Witch Project. So much so that when I saw that movie, I was looking to see if that was the same place. Now the damage from the fire or fires this house had been through was a lot more significant than we had seen from outside. When we went in through the front door, most of the floor was gone. You could see rubble and rocks underneath. The staircase going up was attached to the wall. And while the part attached to the wall was mostly intact, the rest was gone. But because we were dumb and felt invincible, we went up those stairs. That's when we saw the impossibility of what we had seen the night before. Up until then, we thought it could have been any number of things. Other teenagers there to check out the scary house. Possibly a vagrant. 
But once we were on the top of those stairs, we could see that wasn't the case. There were walls between those windows. They were in three separate rooms. And even from the top of the stairs, we could see that because of the fire damage, the floor in front of two of those windows was entirely gone. The shape looking at us through the window had been standing on nothing. I'm Albie Robles, and I want you to scare me. Our guest today is a former Marine, he's a filmmaker, and the co-host of the podcast, The Week in Horror. Like me, he's had a love of horror movies since he was a kid. Today, Eugene Hawkins joins us to talk about some of his favorite horror movies and the local urban legend. Hello, everybody. My name's Eugene Hawkins. I am a filmmaker out of Dallas, Texas, and I am also a host on the podcast Week in Horror. So we actually, uh, we finished our first year about a couple of weeks ago. So we actually got, we do one a week. So we got 52 in the can and we're starting season two, which uh, I think we're already on episode five or six. And it's kind of interesting because it was something that was like out of nowhere. Um, I ended up, I did a 48 hour film race last year and I was a cinematographer on it. And I was sitting there talking with the writer, um, who's a co-host, his name's JL. And like, we just kind of hit it off where it's one of those things where you're like, you're in tune, like creatively, like you just, boom, you start finishing another sentences and we're we're trying to flesh out this story. So what we're going to do for the film race. And we ended up, like I said, we ended up like hitting it off and we're just chatting for a while and everything like that. And so then he messaged me probably about a month later and he was like, I'm thinking about doing a horror movie podcast. I have this concept that I haven't heard anybody do. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I I figured we would do probably like one or two episodes, maybe like five or 10 episodes. And we're on episode like 70 now. (laughs) Oh, so the premise is, is we go over, we track the history of horror chronologically throughout a week. So what we will do is uh, the last one recorded was November 8th through November 14th. And it's horror movies that came out within that week from like various years on top of that. So we will do stuff as recent as stuff that came out last year, all the way back to like the um, cabinet of Dr. Calgary and Nosferatu back in like the 1920s. So we cover everything. So he actually started off as something that I was always fascinated with. Uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Dead, a creep show, Tales from the Crypt, and just watching a lot of those, having a lot of fun. Um, some of my favorite villains going into it. And horror is, first of all, it is the largest film genre. More horror films come out every year than any other genre by like a long shot. And you get to really flex people's creativity. Dramas, you kind of get, you kind of get like shoehorned. You can only do so much. Comedies, you can only do so much. But with horror, you can talk about anything. You from supernatural to straight gore to suspense 
And I mean, there, there are no rules for it. I like true supernatural horror. And then I am, and this is a guilty pleasure of mine is I love bad horror films. Uh, the shark natives. I've seen all five of them (laughs) on, on top of that. So I do love some of the cheesy, the cheesiness. And I like seeing filmmakers creativity. Um, from it because with Evil Dead, you had Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell that were high school friends, and they were out in the woods and they came across a cabin that was missing a wall, by the way. And they're like, let's film a horror movie here. And then Evil Dead, by all means, there is nothing wrong to be scared in a horror movie. I know a lot of people try to like to play that off as like, oh, well, I'm not blah 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 blah. It's like, I'll tell you, there are horror movies that have scared me. Um, the original Blair Witch, when that came out, I saw it in theaters. Um, paranormal activity when that came out, the ring where she climbs out of the TV. I've heard plenty of stories. Uh, I've never gone out seeking. I'm not like a ghost hunter or go out in the cemeteries or night or anything like that, but you'll see something out of the corner of your eye. Uh, growing up, I remember a couple of times I would be laying in bed and you would get the feeling of somebody sitting in the bed, like the bed would kind of indent some, and then you try to pull the covers and you can't pull the covers like somebody sitting on it. And all of a sudden the covers will like let go. So nothing super extreme that you'd see in any horror film, but just little odd things that are unexplainable. Even though I just said, I don't go to cemeteries at night. There was one time I was in a cemetery and, um, over in Garland, there's a cemetery, it's a real small cemetery, it's been there since uh, the early 1900s, and it's the Smiley family. And it is five graves all next to each other from one family that they're all killed in one incident. And the youngest, I think, was one year old. And they died somewhere around 1920, 1922, something like that. And um, so just, you know, your kid, and you go, oh, well, the Smiley family will come get you. The Smiley family will come and and do this. And, I mean, it turns out that they were killed in, uh, I found out, you know, 20 years later. It turns out that they were killed in a tornado. Tornado hit the house. And so that's why they, they were all killed. But, yeah, we had all kinds of, like, stories and, uh, and your generic Bloody Mary, say it three times in the mirror, stuff like that. A lot of horror movies come from, like, of like a form of lore. So kind of going to the lore of the towns and, and plus on top of it, it makes it feel more personal because you will, we can hear lore about some town in like say North Dakota, but when it's like your hometown, when it's, you see it, you, there's actual physical evidence and it just, it makes it that much creepy. And that's a lot of horror movies use that. That's a lot of inspiration for a lot of films. They just use a little local lore and then just, like basically build upon it all-time favorite horror movies uh i have to go with probably the original nightmare on elm street because i'm a huge i'm a huge fan of freddy cooker um i've really been getting into some recent intelligent horror which is something that has been come out say probably about the last five or six years so you get films like uh hereditary uh midsummer i've I'm becoming a huge uh ari aster fan he i mean just so good so good 
And then I have to look at, let's see, a couple of other good favorite ones. I love like You're Next. I've also become a huge fan of Mike Flanagan, who's been coming up. Oh, he's so good. Uh, have you seen his movie Hush? I, that That is so criminally underrated. Yeah, we, we were actually talking about it on the podcast uh, like last night, too, because he ended up he directed Dr. Sleep and Dr. Sleep is so good. I, I feel like The Shining wasn't so impactful on movie culture. Probably people will probably eventually forget about it and just kind of drift in obscurity. But The Shining is what it is. And it's probably a, a film that like plagues Stephen King because it's like a I hate this movie. I know. It it's the property belongs to me or I'm a part of this property. I hate this movie. I want it to go away. And then you constantly get people. Here's Johnny that just constantly, constantly, constant, constantly. I've seen both get out and us uh, get out was amazing. It was, it was so good. And it actually dealt with, and that's, I think it's a good term. It dealt with social issues. Um, and a lot of it's stuff that is overlooked that as being a black man, we have to live by a different set of rules than, uh, than uh, our Caucasian counterparts, which it's, it's the way it is. I'm not hating on any race or anything like that, but to be able to actually go and goes like, no, this is exactly, this is, this is how it is. This is when, the police officers asking for the ID when they get pulled over when she was driving and how how sometimes that can come up because being in an interracial relationship. Um, I've been in a couple and the girl I was with would get hate stares from people of all races. How dare you? Blah, 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 blah. And I mean, we're talking, you know, this is 2020 that it's that's come up. So it's awesome that he's actually deal with it and then just the story itself is just amazing it's well done uh the scene sinking to the floor is just oh my god and his before i can't think of the main actor's name right now um but his performance in that scene was just just amazing i liked us i don't think it was as tight as get out was um but it still ha- it still has some great great creepy moments. It has a great twist on it. There were a couple things like the fact that it lived off of bunny rabbits. I it's kind of eh, to me, but at the same time, I think when you come out so strong with Get Out, it's hard to follow it up. I mean, that's why George Lucas didn't direct a movie after Star Wars for twenty years because. Your third feature film is Star Wars. How do you follow that up? Well, he followed up with Phantom Menace, but how do you how do you follow that up? And so, but I like the way that Jordan Peele has created the genre, and I like the fact that he is doing it on his own terms. He has turned down two hundred million dollar movies to do five million dollar movies because he wants to do them his way. I mean, exactly, because that that shows right there that he's more about the project. He's more about stating a message than just to make money. So we have this urban legend 
and it was starts off in like the 1950s where it was a train that was hit by a school bus that was caught crossing these tracks like in the middle of nowhere and so the urban legend has it that if you drive out there at, i think it's around like three o'clock in the morning and you park your car on the train track. Now, the train tracks themselves aren't active anymore. They're still there, just not active. But you park on these train tracks, and you actually take some flour, pour the flour on your trunk, and sit and wait. And after a while, you'll come back out and check, and you'll actually find little handprints from kids like trying to push the car out of the way. So that was kind of the creepy story that we had growing up uh, over in North Dallas. Uh, what I like to do is go ahead, check us out. It's at weekendhorror.net. We have all our episodes up there. We got our bios up there. We have links. We have merchandise. If you actually sign up for our email, and we will not spam you at all, we'll actually enter you permanently in a drawing for a mystery t-shirt every month. So you enter in one time and then... Who knows, a couple months from now, all of a sudden you get a mystery t-shirt in the mail uh, from one of our favorite horror films. And then we're also up on YouTube, so you go to youtube.com slash weekendhorror. And then also on top of that, look for us on Facebook and Twitter at Weekend Horror, and we do what's called the Daily Splatter, which is a little bit of horror knowledge every single day. What better way to start the day off? Get a nice horror tidbits and then get to creep out all your coworkers of what you know. Guess what happened in the thing? Blah, 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 blah. Something like that. And so and we just started our Discord community. So if you go over to our website, weekendhorror.net, our YouTube channel, we have a link to Discord and you can actually interact with us. We post memes, we post trivia questions, we post all kinds of stuff and you know, you can just shout out and say hi. And then finally, if you like what we do, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash weekendhorror, where we have tiers as low as $1 a month. You sponsor your local podcaster for $1 a month, and you get early access to things such as our bloodbath and our after dark, which our bloodbath is we use our horror expertise, and we take two horror icons, battle them to the death to see who would win. And I think the last one we did was the Winchesters from Supernatural versus the Salvador doors from uh, Vampire Diaries. And so it was like, who would go and fight if they fought to the death? And then we always have a special guest. We've had a couple of great industry directors, industry actors and actresses that have come on our show. And we do, we sit and chat with them, then call After Dark, where we just chat. It's not an interview. It's not anything like that. We just talk about the state of horror and the films they liked growing up and all this other kind of stuff. So if you sign up for our Patreon, get early access to our Bloodbath and our After Dark. And always, and if you can't, it's perfectly okay. We understand times or stuff. Simply liking, subscribing, visiting our website. And we greatly appreciate it. Just give us a listen. want to try to scare me if you've had or have heard about a paranormal experience you'd like to share or if the area you live in has a particularly scary legend or lore 
I want to hear it. Send an email to scareme at albirobelesvoice.com. Scare Me is produced by Albi Robles Voice and features original music by Adam Clifton. For voiceover booking information or to inquire about having your own podcast produced, go to www.albiroblesvoice.com. <laughs>